0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into the box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. If you guys listened to my episode with Nancy that dropped on Monday, then you would have heard me talk about how this week is a huge week of unboxing stories, and I'm keeping that momentum going with unboxing a a story of a particular motivational and inspirational human being. Her name is Amy Purdy. Now, I have uh, followed Amy's story and, and career for quite some time now and have been inspired by what she has achieved and had to overcome in her life over the years. It's really, really a touching and uh, I can relate to her story in many different levels and you'll soon hear why. Um, But to rattle off some of her amazing accomplishments, get this, right? She's a three-times Paralympic medalist, currently the most medaled Paralympic snowboarder in the U.S., She's a trailblazer in getting the sport into the Paralympic Games in the first place. She's a top motivational speaker, and she's damn well good at it, to say the least. She has a top TED Talk, speaks to the top corporations around the world, and she's not only a New York Times bestselling author of the book On My Own Two Feet, but she was a runner-up on Dancing with the Stars with her partner, Derek Hoff. She was the highest ranked contestant and the first contestant with two prosthetic legs. And to top this all off, this, like I said, this is an incredible human being. She's Oprah's top 100 thought leaders. She's written in two of Oprah's books. And you may have seen her on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as well. And if you thought that I was done, well, I'm not. (laughs) She also started her own podcast, which I highly recommend that you go and listen to. She's launched three episodes at the time of me releasing this episode, and they are really, really motivational uh, stories and messages that you guys, I guess, will benefit a lot from, Uh, but this conversation that Amy and I had was really, really powerful, and I I had wanted to speak with Amy for quite some time. So I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. So like I said in in the very beginning of this, I can relate to so much of what Amy has been through in her life. So we kind of go back and forth a little bit in this conversation, which was rather um, a beautiful, beautiful experience to have. So if you do get something from it, Share this one around like crazy. Let everybody know. Jay interviewed Amy Purdy. It was an amazing conversation. Um, and let people know that what you were helped by in, in particular. Tag Amy on Instagram and myself. Let us both know. We greatly appreciate hearing any feedback that you guys might have. But also leave uh, a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way, once again, in, in uh, building this incredible community. And it enables me to unbox more stories like Amy's for you guys as well. You can also watch the full interview over on YouTube and any podcast platform that you wish. The links are all in the show notes below. Check out Amy's new book and podcast. Links all in the show notes. Alrighty. You know what time it is, it is time to dive into this story box and listen to the story of the woman that has been able, despite all the obstacles and challenges around her, to stand up on her own two feet and pursue her dreams, goals, and ambitions. I'm talking about the story of none other than Amy Burdy.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure and privilege to have you here. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with rescheduling. (laughs) It's been great.
0: (laughs) I know it's part of the, it's part of the virtual game. I think.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, I appreciate you actually, I guess, making the time to speak with me today. And like I said, in the intro, I've followed your journey for quite some time now. So I am really looking forward to hearing your side of the, of your story before we dive into all that, I normally have a question that I love asking all my guests at the very, very start, which is what does success look like to you?
0: Ah, uh, you know, that is a good question because I think sometimes we can get really caught up in what we think it looks like during a period of time in our lives. So, I mean, I was even asking myself the same question a few years ago because. I was living all my dreams. I was making incredible money as a motivational speaker, traveling the world, you know, peak of, of my success and also peak of my physical abilities, even with prosthetic legs, winning medals. And I, I kind of hit this period of time where it somehow wasn't enough. It was, it was like, okay, but what's next? What what's next? And and you kind of can get used to this very high um achieving lifestyle. And sometimes that can work against you and your happiness as well. And and so I started asking myself, like, okay, well, if this isn't enough, then what is like, what is success if I don't feel successful right now? Um and and then I I got this major injury in my leg, which I'm sure we'll talk about. COVID happened and you know there's no virtual speaking. Well not sorry, there's no on stage speaking. It's it's a lot has moved to virtual. and it's really shifted my thinking as well just realizing you know i kind of just needed to ground myself again i kind of just needed to reel myself in and 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 look at the things that that fulfill me and and what is truly meaningful i think that's the beauty of of covid and quarantine is we we've kind of you know we we've gotten rid of all these kind of big outside things and have reeled ourselves in a little bit and realized what the importance is so i mean for me i think success you know, it's being healthy. It's being happy. It's, it's, it's having projects, having creative projects and creative outlets is so important for me. That's something I need for my own happiness and, um, and having family and, and love and, you know, going back to when I lost my legs in the first place, what really, really mattered to me was just having love and support and loving those around me. And, you know, the day I die being satisfied that I, you know, did my best here to make a positive impact. But I also took the time to love my family and allow my family to love me back.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. Speaking about fulfillment and happiness and people that are on the current journey right now of seeking what real fulfillment is and what real happiness is, can you share some things that you believe make you truly fulfilled? Is it just having events constantly, uh your friends and family around you, or is it something deeper or something more to it than that?
0: You know, there is something more to it. And like I mentioned, kind of having creative outlets, at least for me, has been really important. Um, Many years ago when I lost my legs, I had no idea what my life was going to be like. I I lost my legs at the age 19 to meningitis. And everything I knew was the rug was pulled out from under me. It kind of all went out the window. Everything I thought I was going to do and what I thought the world looked like, you know, I didn't know where I fit into it anymore. And there was a time where I really visualized myself um, living my best life and what that looked like. And I saw myself walking gracefully. I saw myself somehow helping other people through my journey. I saw myself snowboarding again. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I just felt it so strongly that I knew that I was. And just that feeling of belief in myself and inspiration and just that daydream that I had was so empowering for me. And that really launched the rest of my life. That kind of created that vision, kind of created the roadmap for my life. And, you know, when we get really caught up, I'm busy and and all of a sudden you start living that life of your dreams, you sometimes forget to daydream. You sometimes forget to go back to that space of, you know, what would my ideal life look like and kind of allowing yourself to recreate that, that, that next chapter, I guess. And just recently I found it again, it's always in my hardest days, it's always in my darkest days that... I find my biggest inspiration, you know, in your darkest days, sometimes is when you really find the light. And -hmm. that's really true for me. So I just recently had a surgery. And it was really major. Um, I I just a month ago, had a little bit more of my left leg amputated. Um, I had a, a handful of other procedures done at that time, but I was in the hospital by myself because of COVID. So I couldn't have my family and friends with me. My grandfather passed away just hours before I went into surgery, and it was a really challenging week to be there for seven days by myself, kind of just staring out the windows, but I also started, you know, it gave me time to not be distracted and to start thinking about what's really important in my life and 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 it almost like unlocked the creative part of my brain where all these creative juices just started dumping in and I started daydreaming like crazy and you know seeing what I wanted to do in my life and just reflecting on what I've done. And um I got so excited. I ended up while I was in the hospital, I I wrote an entire speech and I, you know, wrote all these podcast episodes and I, I just I, I wrote an entire business proposal for a new business that I want to create. But it took that it, it took that dark, down, challenging time to to go there, and so, I, you know, I'm grateful. This is what's really made me, I guess, appreciate challenge. Is I do feel like challenge creates opportunity, and it and it kind of can unlock these innovative parts of our brains. Mm.
1: I call those challenges. I say I'm actually in the process of finishing up um, and getting my first ever book written but i call it let challenges serve you not the other way around yeah because like you were saying it is so important that those challenges happen in our life, so then we can see the actual beauty through it not not always after but when we realize that through that challenge we are growing we're becoming better we are creatively enhancing our, our lives It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I guess for you, Amy, and and all the challenges that you've experienced and just shared, it's amazing to see. And it's inspirational as well that you have been able to overcome it. And like the reason why, um, one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you as well is because I can relate to your story a little bit about having meningitis. So I want to, I want to ask you and go back a little bit i know bringing up old wounds and all that sort of stuff, but I'm going to back a little bit and ask you uh, that story. So you're 19 years old. Did you, I guess you don't really expect meningitis at all, but what was going through your brain when that all happened?
0: Yeah. You know, you get worried about things in your life, like. Car accidents or cancer, but you don't ever think that this kind of little thing you've never thought of before can take you out or try to take you out. And so, yeah, I mean, I I grew up healthy and um, I wasn't always an athlete, but I did snowboard. I loved snowboarding. For me, it was more of a lifestyle, it wasn't really a sport that I did. And I fell in love with it and snowboarded all throughout high school and thought my dreams were going to be or thought my goal in life was to just travel the world and snowboard. And so I became a massage therapist. And I thought with this job, I can go anywhere and, you know, pay my way through ski towns and be basically like a professional ski bum, but actually have money. (laughs) And, and then suddenly everything changed at the age of 19, when I contracted something called meningococcal meningitis, and we have no idea how I got it. I felt like I had the flu one day and I was at work as a massage therapist, but went home from work, just feeling really tired, thinking I had the flu. I had about a temperature of 101, which is typical flu-like symptoms, but within the next 24 hours, I I was in the hospital fighting for my life. Uh, I was given less than a 2% chance of living and um, it wasn't until five days later that they actually realized that what I had wasn't the flu. It was Meningococcal meningitis, and we don't know where I got it. It's you know, it's it's a bacteria that kind of floats around. That certain people carry it, don't know they have it. So it's kind of contracted like the flu or the cold. So for all I know, somebody could have sneezed on me in the elevator at work, and maybe that's how I got it. But this little microscopic bacteria changed the course of my life forever. Um, I ended up losing both my legs below the knees due to septic shock. I lost my kidney function. I lost the hearing in my left ear. My spleen burst. I fought for my life for a couple of weeks in the hospital. I ended up in the hospital for almost three months. But those first couple of weeks, I was in a coma, fighting for my life, and I, um, you know, wasn't. I was told that I was. My family was told that I wasn't going to make it. Um, you know, the majority of the time I was in there, and I mean, a lot of things happened. You know, I when I woke up from the coma that I was in, I mean, I was aware that I was going to lose my legs, um, below the knee, but it's really hard to wrap your head around. It was a very surreal experience. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I didn't know what life would be like with, without my legs. So I didn't think it was actually going to happen. I kept thinking the doctors are going to figure this out because, because there's no way I'm going to lose my legs. And I remember being wheeled into the operating room after the doctor came in and said, you know, if we don't amputate your legs here tomorrow, we're going to have to amputate them up here. And they, they pointed to my thighs next week because basically due to the septic shock that I went into my, I I lost circulation to my feet and to my hands and my hands were just as bad as my feet. So we thought I was losing my hands as well. And Uh, And, you know, I, I lasted a couple of weeks like that as they were fighting to save my legs, but it hit a point where if they didn't amputate my legs, I definitely would have died. They would have made me really sick and turned into gangrene and this whole, this whole thing. So I, you know, I remember the doctor coming in and saying, if we don't do this tomorrow, we're going to have to do it even higher next week. And I, I just said, all right, you know, do, do what you got to (laughs) do to get me out of here. Um, Not that I didn't go through challenging moments, but at that point, it's life or death, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember being wheeled into the operating room and um, giving myself three goals. And the first one was, I will not feel sorry for myself. I am not a victim and I'm not going to act like one. And the second one was uh, that when I someday figure all this out, I'll help others do the same. And then the third one was that I had never missed a season of snowboarding and I wasn't about to, so I was going to snowboard that year. And I think I, I just needed something to hang on to, to look forward to, to kind of pull me through Mm. the situation. Not that I was this like crazy, confident, positive person. Um, you know, I didn't know how I was going to snowboard, but just by having that goal it empowered me it made me feel like okay well this is what i'm going to work on when i wake up from surgery and so i you know i i had these very empowering moments to be honest but at the same time you know over the years very challenging moments trying to figure out how to fit in a world that that i stood out in you know and that maybe wasn't even made for me um But, you know, how to also kind of open the doors so that it creates a path for others.
1: That's amazing. How did the doctors actually discover that you had meningitis, meningococcal in the first place?
0: So, um, so the day that I got sick, we did just think it was the flu. My family, my mom took my temperature and my family actually went out of town um, for this annual motorcycle event that my dad puts on. and we just thought I had a 24 hour flu. And I I had told them, you know, I'm probably fine. I'll just drive up there later with a friend. You know, everything's going to be fine. But as the day went on, I started to realize that I was just getting more and more sick. And I did feel like I was dying. My mom called at one point and I said, God, mom, I feel like I'm dying. But I, I've always been known for the dramatic one in the family for (laughs) being the dramatic one. And you know, even today, like I, I've, I've had the flu where I'm like, God, it feels like I'm dying. So just because you feel like you're dying, doesn't necessarily mean you believe you're dying, you know? And, and that's kind of what happened at that time is I, I was like, I feel like I'm dying, but did I really believe I was dying? No, it, it was a very fine line of feeling extremely sick and and then knowing like to rush to the hospital. um, My mom did tell me, you know, go to the hospital. You're probably a little dehydrated just thinking I had the flu, but it wasn't until I was laying in bed and I fell asleep and I, I tried to wake up. I I was in the deepest sleep I could ever feel. I I tried to wake up over and over and I couldn't, I, I kept trying to open my eyes and, and I couldn't, I was, I was forcing my eyes open and then I just fell into the deepest sleep I have ever felt. And then I heard this voice say, Amy, get up and look in the mirror. And this voice was so startling that I immediately opened my eyes and I looked around, I didn't see anybody there. And, it, and this voice was a little bit of like a mixture of my voice and a thought, but it was strong enough that it was like, get up right now and look in the mirror. And so as I was sitting up, I started to realize something was really wrong. So my heart was beating out of my chest. I was so weak. I was so shaky. It probably took five minutes to get into a seated position. And then I scooted to the edge of the bed and I put my feet on the floor and I stood up and I realized that I couldn't feel my feet. And so when I looked at my feet, I saw that my feet were purple. And when I looked at my hands, I saw my hands were purple. And when I looked at my reflection in the mirror, I saw that my nose, my chin, and my cheeks were purple as well. So it was that moment that I knew I was dying. I knew it. I saw tunnel vision. It, it's just everything started to, you know, collapse down. And all of a sudden I realized I wasn't breathing very good. And right then my cousin walked in, um, my mom had called her to come check on me. And she looked at me and said, Amy, it looks like you're dead. And I said, I, I'm dying. I'm I'm dying. I know I am. So. She rushed me to the hospital and, um, you know, really wasn't until five days later, because it takes that long for the blood work to come back until they found out that I had meningitis. But the thing that's just so, I guess, sad and and, kind of crazy about that journey is, I mean, they thought I was going to die within two hours of entering the hospital. They had told my parents she maybe has two hours left to live because I was in full septic shock. And, uh, my whole body was crashing and I was immediately put on life support and I, you know, I could have died and my parents wouldn't have even known what it was for five more days. Um, but luckily, you know, luckily I hang on. I, I luckily I hung on tight and just fought my ass off. And I, and I really felt that way. Even when I was in a coma, I felt like I fought my ass off to hang on.
1: Have you ever, That's um, so relatable to me, actually. Uh, Have you ever, this voice that went through your head, have you ever sort of thought about who that might be at all? Like, because I had a very similar moment in my life and I call it, I I say that I was wrestling with God. (laughs) Like, yeah.
0: There's no doubt to me that that was a divine moment Mm. because it saved me and had i have not heard that voice i would have you know fallen asleep and probably been dead within 2 hours my cousin would have come to check on me and probably thought i was sleeping so that voice absolutely was you know divine intervention mm-hmm. but like i say that voice was kind of a mixture of my own and and a thought it wasn't like i heard this you know yell across the room it really came from within me mm-hmm. but it was um it was powerful enough to wake me up out of this. You know, I was starting to, I was in septic shock at that point and didn't realize it. So I was, I was actually not just falling asleep. I was passing out. Mm -hmm. And this, this voice was powerful enough to break me out of that and, and get me to listen. And so, you know, I, am always like, gosh, is it, is it your guardian angels? Is it God? Is it, your own survival, but I think it was a combination of all of that.
1: Because mm. what happened with me as well, like, like my whole story is wild, but I didn't, I, I thank God that I didn't actually lose any limbs, but the whole process of not one, you can't see wanting to be in a deep sleep. That all happened to me. Like you feel uh. re, really lethargic. You, you don't want to move. I actually was vision impaired for, I think, two days. Um, wow. It was really... But that those two days, I say that it, it was enough for me to actually see what was going on in my life that I needed to change because wow. like, you can't see what's in front of you like actual <laughs> people. You do a lot of thinking and a lot of processing. Right. And that's what I did. Like I was just alone with me and my thoughts. And I also say... Because I am a person of faith, and I do believe that God enabled me to get through that. But that voice wasn't like you're right; it wasn't like this different voice. It was a combination of my own and some divine inter- intervention as well, if you want to call it that too. So it was a bit bit weird, <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. But I just love how um, it sort of because if I didn't wrestle. In that moment, I wouldn't have gotten that this, uh, they call it a lumbar puncture, like stick, they, they stick a massive needle in the back of your spine and um, there's like a 50-50% chance of survival and if it goes well or not. But anyway, if I didn't decide to just let go and trust in what that voice was telling me, then I probably wouldn't be here either. Yeah. I was stubborn. <laughs> <As anything. laughs> Right. I didn't want to believe that it was meningitis. I didn't want to believe that, so I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting until eventually, I just let go and said, "Okay, let's
0: do it." So, so what you had was meningitis as well.
1: Yes. So and was
0: was it bacterial or was it spinal?
1: It was viral. So okay. So what ended up happening was there was the danger of me actually getting bacterial meningitis. So they told me the only way to really determine whether or not it is bacterial or viral is to do the lumbar puncture. And right. I've gone, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing that because they, they basically, the procedure there. Oh, I've had it. You, yeah. You know how bad <laughs> it is. <laughs> you are yeah. awake. Um Cause I, I just, I was like, up until that point in my life, Amy, I was 22. I had immense amount of pain even before that. So I was like fighting with, I just didn't want to do it so much pain. I'm like, why am I going, why am I going through all this pain? I just, yeah, I'm sick of it. <laughs> so I, I just like, uh, just take me now, honestly, right. like it was this very selfish attitude that I had. Um, I was just tired. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, but steering it, I guess steering it back to you and, and your story, I mean, moving from the hospital and what was it like adjusting to not having your feet anymore?
0: I mean, nothing can really prepare you, right? You kind of maybe visualize okay maybe i'm in a in a wheelchair and i don't have my legs but it's these little moments that you kind of don't expect that can be um i i guess just very eye opening of of how challenging that my life would be um so when i was in the hospital and i had the surgery and i woke up from surgery i remember looking down and and seeing where my feet used to be that I had, I was covered by a sheet and a blanket and I was so much shorter, (laughs) you know, my feet would be over there and, and they're not there. And I remember trying to scoot up in bed and usually you would use your feet to scoot up. Right. And realizing I didn't have my feet to do that. So there were these little kind of moments that were challenging that were like, Oh man, I'm used to having my feet to help counterbalance my weight here and there. But I also was just very much so on this mission to just move forward. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. And I think that actually became probably a a lot of my motivation as Mm. I saw what my family was going through. They were sad. They, you know, they would come in, they were heartbroken. I mean, they didn't know what my life would be like either. We had no idea. We didn't, we didn't have anybody else to look to, to say, well, look, they're living an incredible life with two prosthetic legs. I mean, we really didn't know at that time, the Paralympics weren't as uh, publicized as they are these days. You didn't see Paralympians running around with prosthetics very often at least. And so I really had no idea what to expect. And I mean, it was a, it, it was a learning journey, but at the same time, I, I did have this very strong uh, inner I guess, strength that came out where, well, first of all, I, I I felt like I was still me. You know, I thought, okay, maybe I I just lost my legs, but I'm still the same person. I still want to snowboard. I still want to travel the world. And now I just have to get creative and find a way to do that. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, it really motivated me to just focus on the future and continue to find a way. And even in my life today, when I look back at everything I've done, whether it was, you know, snowboarding again, or speaking or Paralympic medals or dance with the stars, my mission has really always been to find a way, get creative and find a way. Mm-hmm. And, and through that, it's, it's led me to incredible places. So the challenge has always been there. Um, but I've, you know, I, I, and, and I've gone through down days. It's not like I look at a challenge and I'm like, yes, another challenge. Mm -hmm. It's just, I realize like I can do something with this, you know, I don't know what yet, but, but this will do something for me at some point. I'll grow Mm -hmm. through it. I'll learn or I'll help other people. And, and then I've been able to kind of build on that.
1: Do you ever get sick of it at all? And secondly, do you have any regrets?
0: Um, Well, like, yeah. Do you get sick of challenge? Actually, (laughs) do I get sick of challenge? Absolutely. Um, Just recently, I went through a a huge challenge, probably to be honest, what I think is the biggest challenge of my life, even bigger than losing my legs and having a kidney transplant at 19. And that's two years ago, I, I injured the artery in my left leg. My prosthetic leg had actually been pushing into the artery behind my knee. For, for quite a period of time, but I didn't realize that it was injuring the artery. I just thought that I would bruise my calf here and there. Mm-hmm. And I was doing so much on my legs, snowboarding six hours a day, then going to the gym three hours a day, walking through five airports a week because I was traveling and speaking or doing snowboard competitions, all on two prosthetic legs. And you do get used to a level of discomfort, but to be honest, I was also very comfortable or I wouldn't have been able to do what I was doing. But our bodies are not made to walk in carbon fiber like that or you know, to go at the distance that I was going in, in carbon fiber legs. And eventually, it, it broke down the artery in my left leg. And, and it happened pretty much overnight, fought to save my legs, seven surgeries, including the surgery that I had just a month ago. And yeah, I was over it and I am over it. I I want nothing to do with this challenge. (laughs) You know, I, I know, um, when it hit, I just felt like, haven't I, haven't I gone through enough or haven't I learned what I'm supposed to learn? Haven't I turned that into a positive, right? I lost my legs at 19. I started a nonprofit organization to help athletes with disabilities, you know, live their best lives. And You know, became a motivational speaker and I, you know, I talk about how to work through your challenge and use your challenge to get ahead. Like, haven't I haven't I figured it out? And then this happens. And I I just keep thinking, well, there's there's more to learn here, right? There's more, my journey's not over yet. There's something that I could be learning from this that can maybe help in the future. If it doesn't help me, maybe it'll help others. And when you're in the thick of it you don't always see, you know, when you're in your mess, you don't always see the message, right? It's not till you kind of reflect back and see how far you've come and, and how you've gotten there that you're able to help others on their journey as well. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would have been perfectly fine without this recent challenge, but I'm, I'm in it and I've learned so much this year. I've grown so much and and, and, I'm, and I'm great. You know, I haven't walked in two years and, and I'm definitely fighting to walk. That's why I'm doing all these surgeries. But I'm also happy. You know, I realized there was a turning point where I thought I wasn't going to be happy if I didn't walk again. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm busy. I'm still working. I'm still doing all these great things that, you know, creative projects and starting new things. Like I'm fine whether I walk or not. And I even asked myself at one point, when did that happen? When did I become okay with this challenge I'm facing? And I I think it's when I realized that, you know, I I didn't just get hung up on it. I allowed myself to continue forward and to daydream and create more creative projects and outlets for myself. Those are important to me. And I realized, well, life continues on. And you either go with it, or or you stay in the past, and and that doesn't work for anybody.
1: Hmm. You're 100 percent right about that, uh, Amy. I, I do want to be respectful of your time. I know you have had a lot of meetings today. Um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this conversation. I really am. A couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. So, this one, we're talking about questions and and asking why and and all that sort of stuff. Cause I kind of feel the exact same way and I'm only 24 at the moment. So I'm, I'm still relatively young and I've been through like hell and back, (laughs) but I I say it, I am blessed to go through all that. I wouldn't change it for the world because I am who I am today because of it. And I I say that I'm on the path of an Eagle, the path of an Eagle isn't always easy. It's always, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have moments that are going to, challenge you immensely but if you can get through the challenge if you can get to the other side you are going to become better you are going to be when you're able to look back and you say well I just leveled up a little bit more than what I would than what I was before so and I call that like an eagle loves the storm because the moment a storm comes what an eagle does is he he or she will fight through the thunder through the the winds and get to the very top because the moment it reaches the very top, it's able to soar above the clouds and that's a beautiful moment. So I just wanted to give you that illustration for those people that are listening. That that's that's the path that I'm on and I'll say that you're on the exact same path but in a different, different uh, level, I guess I could say. <laughs> um, but this question is more of a fun one It might be hard to answer, but we'll see how we go. (laughs) But if you were to ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be, why, and what question would you ask them?
0: Oh, my gosh. That is a good question. (laughs) I... You know, okay, my grandfather just passed away. And I, I wonder, is he just right here? You know, is he? Is there just this thin veil between us? And so to be honest, I think my biggest question in life would be, what is there? What is on the other side? And, and do you know the meaning of us being here? You know, so that's not asking some like, you know, like Buddha a question or you know, um, Gandhi a question, but I really this has been a question that's been in my mind a lot since my grandfather passed. And and just is he just right here, just right next to us? And and what is what does he know? I think, you know, I think that would be kind of the answer to life right there.
1: (laughs) You know what I do every time I go through something that is really, really difficult because I was extremely close to my grandfather as well. He was like my biggest mentor, my hero, everything. I go to his gravesite and I just sit there. So my grandmother's laid beside him as well. So I just sit in the middle of both of them and I just look up. I'm like, I need you help. I need you. Where's? And then all his advice just comes flooding back like, it hits me like a ton of bricks, all these sayings, all his lessons, everything just hits me all at once. And I'm like, okay, now I can continue. Now I can continue on.
0: Yeah. It, I, you know, I, I, I recently had this experience in the hospital where I was in there by myself and my grandpa passed right as I was going into surgery or just hours, just right before I was actually being wheeled into surgery. And I had a few minutes to cry and that was about it. They were throwing IVs in and I was like, here I go. And I thought, you know, my grandpa's on the other side and I'm, I'm going to be so close to death, you know, being under anesthesia. I wonder if we'll be in the same space with each other for a period of time, or at least I'll be close to him. And so I took that as an opportunity to talk to him. And as they put the mask on my face and counted me down, I you know, all I thought was, okay, grandpa, you know, give me all the strength that you have in your body right now. Just give me everything you've got. And when I woke up from surgery and I was in the hospital by myself for that week, I just imagined him wrapping his arms around me. And I knew that if he had a choice to be there, he would be. So Maybe it was great timing that he passed before I went into surgery. Maybe it was actually so that he could be with me and comfort me. And that was a a choice to believe that, but it helped me so much. It gave me so much. I I 100% chose to believe my grandpa's here. I asked for his strength. He gave it to me. And I'm telling you, I powered through that recovery, I never had pain. My leg felt amazing. I had endless energy the minute I woke up and I'm still running on it and just endless inspiration. And I choose to believe that, that, you know, he has something to do with that. Um, I don't know, but I like that thought because that's what motivates me. Right. So yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. It, it just reminds you that there's something bigger, and and I'm and I and that's what always brings me comfort. And it's very easy to kind of get away from that when times get tough. You're you get caught up in, oh my gosh, what you know? What if I lose more of my leg? What if I then I lose my career? And then you know, can I travel? Can I snowboard? Can I even stand on stage and speak? Can I can I do everything I've worked so hard for? You get so caught up in the fear and uncertainty and anxiety of everything. But then when I come back to these kind of spiritual moments that I've had, like hearing that voice Mm. or, you know, feeling my grandpa wrap his arms around me, those moments remind me that there's something much bigger at play here and that it will all make sense in the end. We might not know what it means right now, but it will all make sense in the end.
1: If you could, I guess, see your grandfather again, just one more time, what would you want to say to him?
0: I I think we all had a good amount of time to tell him we loved him which is great. He really he made a choice when he was ready to go which was amazing to see because he he was healthy. He didn't pass of an illness or cancer or anything like that. He just um he was fighting some chronic pain for the last few years of his life and so he made a he he hit a point around Christmas of this year that he declared he was absolutely done and, you know, do not feel bad for him. He's lived a fantastic life and he did, and he was ready to go. And it's like, once he decided to go, uh, he kind of just handed himself over within days he passed. It was really, it was really fascinating to see him go from like a hundred percent alive to, you know, just so quickly, um, surrender. And so I don't know if I, you know, of course I, I would. I'd tell him I love him, but I know that he knows that. But I do think the question would be just, he's now in a space where he knows, he knows what's there. And I think that's, you know, such a fascination for me and so many of us is what is it? Where did you go? What's on the other side there? And how can that help us live a better life here? And, I guess that would just be my question. Just where are you? What do you see? What are you experiencing? And, you know, we had kind of a funny conversation a few months ago where I've always been known as a very like spiritual person in the family. And I've manifested a lot of incredible moments in my life. And I've had a lot of very deep spiritual moments in my life from hearing voices that have guided me and at a near death experience um, when I was in the hospital 20 years ago. And uh, but I was telling my grandpa, I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny because I don't see dead people. You know, like everyone was talking like, yeah, if, if anyone would be a psychic in the family, you would think it would be Amy. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm a psychic. I don't see dead people. I don't talk to dead people. And then my grandpa goes, well, I'll be your first subject. And so he was like, as soon as I die, try to bring me back, see if you can do it. And it was just kind of a funny conversation, you know? And and so now I have these moments where I'm like, Grandpa, <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that you? Are you there? Yeah.
0: If you're there, flash the light twice.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had similar moments in my life that I've just been like, oh, geez. <laughs> like, is that you? Like, oh, yeah. there's, there's been moments where uh, I guess what, like one of the moments that I talk about. In my book actually, it goes into when I was in that, that blind moment, I had all these memories of my grandfather and um, he actually showed up like the next day and he's like, "So how are you feeling, Jay?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, better than you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And he's
1: like, "No, I'm, I'm tremendous." He's like, I'm, wow. "I'm in paradise. Wow. I have no pain. I love that. It looks like you're in pain. I'm like, no, I'm not. you're <laughs> uh, just having those those fun conversations like we yeah. have back in the day. Um, I love those moments. I wish I could have them all the time. But, Amy, my my two quick final questions for you I'm going to ask uh, this one is my all time favorite one. So, it's a hypothetical. This one wants you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. Your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic or the divine. (laughs) Um, But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
0: Wow. Um. Gosh, that makes me kind of emotional, actually. Um, hold on. Let me let me catch my breath for a second. <laughs> let it I, uh, not that I'm going to say anything outstanding either, but I, I would want it to show how I have broke boundaries in, in many different ways and showed what the possibilities are, not just for my life, but for all of us. You know, showed that we are all capable of doing incredible things with our lives, no matter our circumstances.
1: That is that is beautiful.
0: I mean, I think I need to eat. That's why I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Blood sugar's low. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um. But really, yeah. I mean, just. It's always been important to me to figure out what the possibilities are in in my own life. It's been somewhat of a fascination to find a way to succeed in these different things that I think are holding me back. Even motivational speaking, I felt like I was not cut out for it. I was not meant to do it. I didn't have the talent that I thought people had who did do it. And then it became a mission of mine to break that boundary and figure out what the possibilities are. And I've been able to do that with dancing on two prosthetic legs and snowboarding on two prosthetic legs. And I continue to do it in my own, you know, career. And, and I, so I think my mission has just been to, you know, break down these walls that box us in and to be able to show that, We are so capable and we have so much potential inside of us. And I want others to feel that. I I don't want others to think, oh, what she did was amazing. I want them to believe that they can do that too.
1: I guess I, I could just leave it on that note because that is really, really powerful. But I wanted to ask you, speaking about food, this is a fun question, but what has been the weirdest food combination you've ever tried?
0: Okay. I don't know about the weirdest food combination, but I can tell you the weirdest food I've ever tried. Go for it. Does that work? Okay. I, many years ago, I was on the TV show, the amazing race with my husband and we had to eat. Actually it was a food combination. We had to eat frog fallopian tubes in a papaya, which is a delicacy in China. (laughs) And we didn't know what it was at the time that we ate it. Um, we they didn't tell us we just thought it was noodles and so they just said here eat this we weren't allowed to use our hands we basically had to just dive our faces into it and i thought well for a million bucks <laughs> i'll do whatever it takes and um believe it or not it was not that bad i would not call it a delicacy later on we figured out what it was but it uh, and it actually didn't have that bad of a taste but the combination of this like weird earthy and sweet from the papaya and just a flavor amphibious flavor. We've never tasted before was definitely an experience
1: <laughs>
0: One I, when I will not miss and, and I'm not craving.
1: <laughs> I I should have ended uh, the conversation before. <laughs> I regret right. asking that question now. <laughs> yeah. But now you'll um,
0: gag when you think about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I <was> like, oh, <laughs> Anyway, um, Amy Purdy, thank you so much for your time today, your enthusiasm, your inspirational story, everything that you've shared today. It is really, it's motivated me. It's also inspired me. It's, it's made me feel humbled in many ways. So thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I've been wanting to do this for so long with you and you do such an incredible job of, pulling out the best stories and so um, i've i've thoroughly enjoyed this
1: i really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story i just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today it is my prayer that you would have felt inspired motivated challenged in some way and that you would have learned something new as well If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Storybox on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, i greatly appreciate if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts it goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the story box let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today your support is always greatly appreciated until next time when we dive back into the story box i'm jay phantom and don't forget your story is worth more than you know i'll catch you then